Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Brian, joined in the studio by Eric. And Eric, today we're in week number six of our series where we've been going through the gospel of Mark, sort of just bit by bit, section by section. Today we're going to be looking at chapter one, verses 29 through 39. We'll read those in just a second, but before we do it, um, let's talk about who today's lesson really is going to appeal to. I think, what, first of all, anyone that that is hurting or broken, we're going to see some stuff in here. We're, Jesus is going to be interacting with um, you know, a demon-possessed guy. He's going to be acting with somebody who needs a healing. So anyone who's listening to this, you're tuning in today, and, and you feel like you need a special touch from Jesus, you're going to learn about the heart of God for people, which is always cool to learn about. But I think on the other end of the spectrum, Eric, today's topic is probably also for people who are strong believers who love to get busy for Jesus. Maybe they go out there and they're, they're, they work in their community. They do a lot of outreach. They do missions trips. I know we know a lot of people at our church that are like this. So you, I think those people are going to learn something as well, people who really want to be on mission and want to help people. So there's something in the story today for everybody, because today we're going we're gonna to just take a look at a busy day in the life of Jesus. You know, these verses give us a snapshot of of a tip, I don't know if this was a typical day or not, probably a pretty typical day for Jesus, which is kind of cool to have a glimpse into his life, and it's going to show us what really matters to him. It's going to show us with, it's going to show us his um, his focus, his priorities. It's going to show us his disciplines. There's going to be a lot of stuff we're going to learn as we read these passages. So before we jump into all that, Eric, why don't we just read the, the section, let's read this section of Scripture, and then let's break it down. Okay, Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. All right, so let's back up and let's talk about just the day. You know, we see it, we see like an afternoon, then we see an evening, and then we see the next morning. So let's start with that that busy day, that the work day of Jesus, really. It's showing us something about his compassion for people, right? That Jesus is about, this is the God of the universe, but we see in this passage that he he cares about people, right? Let's drill down on that a little bit, Eric. Who Who is he interacting with and what kind of stuff is Jesus doing in his day? Well, it's interesting that that right after Jesus, you know, is done preaching at the synagogue, kind of the context to this, um, he goes around and and has one of the busiest days of his life first, 
Um, it's someone close to him, one of the guys that he first called to, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, he called Simon, who was Peter, um, and called called Peter to be one of his disciples, and, and Peter's mother-in-law was ill. So that first tells us that Peter was married. Um, sometimes people wonder if the disciples were married. Well, some of them were. Um, but we see that uh, Jesus has compassion. He says, oh no, basically, like, oh no, your, your mother-in-law's sick, I can do something about it. And it's interesting that he chooses this to be one of his first miracles. It's not his first. He turned, he changed water into wine, you know, uh, way earlier than this, but, but it, it's interesting that he would, he would choose this to be, and, and Mark would choose this to be one of the things that he puts in there. And, and it really kind of goes back to the context of member, uh, you know, the intro to the book of Mark that, Mark was was a companion of Peter, probably was following him around, listening to him preach and his his uh, writing his memoirs. And so I think it's uh, important to not overlook the fact that Peter's, you know, basically either telling Mark or Mark thinks it's important to recount that one of the miracles is that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and... And what it says is, you know, he helped her sit up, then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Now, I don't want to just, you know, walk past that either. It's amazing to me that she's sick, she's she's got a fever, um, maybe even close to death, probably hasn't been doing her regular duties. Um, this really shows the impacts of what sin has and brokenness has on our our world, and yet Jesus heals her, not to the point of like, um, you know, being okay, but completely heals her to the point where she can resume her normal duties because it says she jumped up and prepared a meal like out of gratitude, but that was probably something that she she normally did. And it really just shows Jesus' heart to to restore people. And that's what we see is that all of a sudden everybody's hearing about Jesus and who he is and his power and 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 this restorative power, this compassionate heart that Jesus has for people is really revealing first and foremost his character and secondly, it's a little taste of um what what he's going to do uh, not just for people physically but for people spiritually and and one day what the world will look like when he completely restores everything. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Well, and it's interesting. Yeah, if you go back to that passage, it says that they left the synagogue. So he was he was previously in the synagogue. Now he goes to a, a private home, Simon and Andrew's home. So now we get a glimpse at what is almost like a glimpse of his private life or maybe his like uh, friendship, his friendship circle, what's happening behind closed doors and behind closed doors, Jesus still cares about people. It's not like he was one way in front of everybody. Mm. And then behind closed doors, he's, he's a different, he's a different guy. Like this is the same. We're seeing the heart of God everywhere he is. I love that we get that glimpse that the day in the life includes, okay, we looked at it at the synagogue. Now we see what's happening in Andrew and Simon's home. He heals, he heals Simon's mother or Peter's mother-in-law 
And then, and that was in the afternoon, because then it says that later that evening after sunset, so now he goes back out. So he didn't, he didn't just say, okay, well, I did my work for the day. I was in the synagogue. I, I, I did some good stuff for Peter's mother-in-law. I, now I can just sit back. I've earned my Netflix time. I can just sit back and chill out. No, he goes back out, and it was after mm. sunset. And now he's doing even more ministry. That's why we're calling this a day in the busy life of Jesus, because we see how busy he is. We see how purposeful and how focused he is. So now he goes back out to the public, and it says that many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. So it says the whole town, I mean, pay attention to these words, many sick, Mm -hmm. the whole town gathered at the door to watch. And so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. So it doesn't say that he did it once. I mean, in fact, in another gospel, it says that he healed anyone who would come to him. So we see this generous love of Jesus. Like he is so generous with everyone. He's healing people. He's casting demons out. It does say, by the way, that the demons knew who he was, but he didn't allow them to speak. We'll get into that maybe later on in this series, like why why he was so secretive about this stuff. But the secret is getting out, and it's not surprising because he's meeting people's actual needs. And I guess the point is, it probably was pretty draining for him to do ministry day and night. And, and he really did. He poured himself out for people, both privately and in the public square. Yeah, Brian, I think, you know, you and I can relate to this, not not necessarily, you know, thinking highly of ourselves or, or trying to boast or anything, but having, you know, the right heart and the right motives, wanting to work hard, right? Wanting to be um, efficient, wanting to be busy, wanting to serve at church, wanting to you know, do um, care ministry activities and outreach events and, you know, missions work, you know, and there's a lot of different things that we do um, as ministers that that keep us busy. So now I can't fully understand the power and the drain that's coming out of Jesus and, and certainly he's not doing anything wrong at all. But I think sometimes for us as humans, we can overexpend ourselves a little bit, right? Sometimes we can get too busy. We can get focused on, because we care for people, um, and not even just for pastors or ministers, but every regular regular everyday Christians, people that are coming to our churches and, and working really hard, we really appreciate them so much um but it if we're if we're not careful we're going to work all of ourselves into a place of unhealthiness right and and we start to see the drain on us starts to affect other people around us and and so we're not Jesus so as as humans as i think about this story i know what it's like to get really busy doing things that are that are good, um, but but sometimes you know trying to take care of all the the problems of the world or the problems in your world. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about okay, you, you're not you're not a pastor, but you're you've got a lot of things going on in your life. You got sick people, um, you know your family members that are hurt. People have addictions, and 
and you want to try to take care of all of those problems, you're, you're worried about it, you're, you're concerned about it, well, this, I think, number one, shows that really we should let Jesus handle it. Jesus is perfect. He has the power. We don't, in our, in our flesh, have the power to be able to run around and, and, and heal people and to take care of everyone's needs perfectly but but Jesus can and and we see his heart but yeah secondly i think then that probably leads us to our next point and what we learn from Jesus because meeting the the needs of the broken of a broken world or the broken world around us can be so draining we see that even Jesus uh needs some time for prayer and and reflection and so we see the next morning the source of, of Jesus's selfless service is actually through getting away and taking a break. If we go and look at, at Mark uh, chapter 1, 30, verses 35 through 37, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. So, so they didn't get why he was taking a break. They were probably wanting to keep going, or they were overwhelmed themselves. But Jesus kind of models here that he needs to get away and possibly recharge, right? Yeah, so this is for people who are out there who can relate to that first portion of Scripture we just read, that busy afternoon and evening of Jesus. You're pouring yourself out. But what I love about this verse, verse 35, Eric, is that that this shows us the what was behind all of it. I love that Mark includes this in his gospel, that he doesn't just show the, the stuff that's on the surface, the stuff that the people can see out there, but he peels the layers back a little bit and he shows us where Jesus got his energy from, where Jesus got his motivation from, because he gets it from the Father, right? It says he got up, early in the morning, which is interesting to me because he was staying up late at night and now he's getting up early in the morning and he starts his day off with prayer. He starts his day off with recharging and reconnecting. And and I know this prayer is probably confusing for some people when you think about, well, who is Jesus praying to? Well, Jesus, the son, was praying to God the Father. And so we see in this that the, the, the relationship that's so important for the son to have with the father and that Jesus' ministry flows out of his relationship with the Father. And that's a real challenge to to doers like you and you and I. We're, you know, Eric, I think we're both doers. And it's easy to get caught up in in and to sort of define our Christian relationship with God in terms of doing mm-hmm. rather than in terms of being. And this is something I have to remind myself. I have to remind my son because my son's wired like I am as well. So some listeners out there, this is what they really, what you need to hear from today's message is your doing should flow from your being. That, that you are a son of God or a daughter of God, that you're a child of God, that you are made in the image of God, that, that your relationship with God is first and foremost. And then what flows out of that relationship with God is your ministry, right? So we saw Jesus's ministry, but now in the morning we see 
where his ministry's rooted. And it's rooted in a relationship with the Father that, and I know that for, for me this is so true, Eric, for you as well, is that when I really connect with God, and I do try to do this, by the way, in the morning, I don't think there's a rule that you have to, but Jesus did, so I want to do it this way too, is I want to start my morning out by just like letting him speak to me. Uh, that's when I have my best prayer time is in the morning, because then what I tend to do is I tend to get about the business, and, and now if I don't do it early in the morning, then I'm going to get busy with, with stuff, with tasks, and and I'm sure Jesus was the same way. He's in fact, we even see it right here that he's praying and Simon comes to him trying to get him to do the work. Everyone's looking for you and we don't have Jesus's response, but I'm sure Jesus said, just give me a minute here, Peter. I've, I've got something more important that's happening here. I'm recharging before I do ministry. Yeah, another place where we see Simon brought up again, who's Peter. And we see if we look at his character throughout the New Testament, he was a doer also. He was a guy, he wanted to get things done, right? And um, Jesus, along the way, is teaching his disciples these these little lessons, certainly Peter, who was the leader of the disciples for a while. Um, that even, even, yeah, even Jesus needs to take time, needs to have some spiritual disciplines um, to be connected to the, the power source, the life, the life-giving source of, that he's, he's expending himself of, right? So he needs to be constantly filled, filled up if he's pouring himself out. He needs to be filled up, and and so many times I think in in Christianity probably, people who are wired as as doers are constantly thinking that their relationship with God is attached to me getting things done and doing and doing things. Um, but in my experience, if I if I'm just working nonstop but never take that time to really experience God, to experience that I'm a son of God, I'm I'm loved and I'm forgiven no matter what I'm doing, no matter what work I do. And I think that's one of the things that you were hinting at is that I think the way we live might even show what we really believe about God and what we believe about Jesus's. Uh, love for us, that it's by by faith alone in Him that we're made right with God, not by working and earning. It sh- like you said, it should be an overflow from our our love for Him, for what He's already done for us. Yeah, and I really, actually, we should break in here for a second, because I, I, I'm envisioning two types of listeners. One is the person who can relate to us, who's a doer, and what you're hearing right now from the Holy Spirit is, I need to be more like Jesus. I need to make sure that I am, that I'm connecting to God. I make, I need to make sure that the source of this is is a relationship with God, not just me trying to work really hard to earn His approval or something like that. So that's one kind of person who maybe relates to both of us. But I also think that we might have some listeners that are saying. I don't actually work. I'm the Netflix Christian. I, you know, my Christian life boils down to going to church, listen to a podcast like this once in a while, maybe going to small group, but I actually don't show compassion for people. I don't mm. actually work afternoon and evening and expend myself. So I think some people might even feel guilty right now saying, I don't expend myself for the kingdom of God. And I think the solution for both of those people, wherever you are on the spectrum, is 
you need to have spiritual disciplines. You need to connect into the Father because I think for the, the worker, the doer, that's going to remind you and, and recharge you. But for the person who is maybe, let's call that person kind of a lazy Christian who doesn't actually, who doesn't actually do anything in the world for the kingdom of God, Ouch. I think con- connecting into God in the morning and tying your heart to God's heart is what will actually move you to compassion like we see in Jesus. Maybe you do realize you don't have compassion for people like you should, whether we're talking about the spiritually lost or the hungry or whatever, and you look at some of those tryhards at church and you're like, those guys are those guys do an awful lot, but I don't. Well, I think there's something here for everybody that we all need to connect into. We all need that time in our regular schedule, we call these spiritual disciplines. And, and Eric, I want to get into them for a minute here today. Mm-hmm. We, we need to connect, into, connect to the vine so that fruit does flow. The right, the appropriate flute, fruit does flow out of our lives. So what are those spiritual disciplines? You know, Jesus is praying here, but for us today, let's talk about some of the other ones. Yeah, I think there's fasting, there's times of solitude. We see that in, in Jesus is going to an isolated place. Um, spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible, uh, gathering together with other believers, um, serving and helping and compassion, you know, certainly is a spiritual discipline also. Um, even though, even though um, some of these things might come natural to people and some some it doesn't, or sometimes out of the overflow of our hearts because of our connection with God, we um, naturally want to do those things. Spiritual disciplines are really uh, things that, whether they come natural or not, or whether we feel like doing them or not, there are they are things that help us to continue on the journey in the path of pursuing God and being in a relationship with God. And, and so spiritual disciplines are just really ways for us to live on mission, to become more like Christ, to be, you know, Christians that are loving God and loving others. I don't know. Is there any other spiritual disciplines on your mind? Well, yeah, but one of my favorites, and by the way, we'll put in the show notes a link to the spiritual discipline series that we have. It's called Breakthrough Disciplines at PursueGod.org. I encourage you to go through that series with your family or with your small group if you're, or your mentor if you've never done that series before. We kind of get into the weeds on all this. But one of my favorite new ones, because I used to think of spiritual disciplines just as Bible study and prayer. Those are the two big ones. But one of my favorites that I've just recently discovered, and it's good for doers like us, Eric, is a dis- is a spiritual discipline called slowing. And mm. slowing is is kind of connected to solitude a little bit, but slowing is just what it sounds like. It's when you it's when you intentionally slow down the pace of your life because you've gotten just too hurried. I think some t- in modern life, I think we just have so much, so much stimulation thrown at us all the time. I think that's where a lot of stress and anxiety comes from, by the way, uh, panic, anxiety, things like that. And so for me, a few years back, I realized that that slowing is a discipline that I needed to bring into my life. So here's what that meant for me, is I would take, there was, you know, Eric, you and I would go golf on Thursdays, and I would intentionally take the long route to go meet up with you guys 
So it, it probably took me maybe five or 10 more minutes to drive that way, but it was not on the freeway. It was not on, it, there weren't a lot of stoplights and stop signs. It was, it was uh, kind of more country roads that I was able to travel. It was a longer route, both time-wise and distance-wise, but it really was helpful for me to say, okay, I'm going to do something that's not efficient. For me, I needed that. Mm. I needed, and it was a time for me to put on some worship music and connect with God and just slow myself down, like intentionally slow myself down. I literally, another example of this is I would... I take walks a lot um, near my home, and I would kind of take a prayer walk. And and I tend to walk fast. That's just how I'm wired. I tend to walk fast. So the discipline, a spiritual discipline of slowing for me was actually literally to try to walk slower, to try to walk slower than I would normally walk. Not to prove something to myself, but just to dis to train myself to sort of smell the roses and and experience life at a different pace. For me, that was huge. And again, it's all connected still to prayer, to worship, to focusing on God, but slowing is one of those disciplines that I that I really have taken to. I think my wife would, would enjoy us swapping and, and having the spiritual discipline of walking faster. My, my whole family makes fun of me sometimes because, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm tired from the day or I'm one of those typical gym rat guys that kind of walk with their chest puffed out and their shoulders and just walk really slow. And so whenever we're going to like a grocery store or something, I, I get in the car, my family's just making fun of me and saying I'm walking too slow. But no, I was thinking about your, you know, the idea of, of slowing um, and just how fast paced our, just the, the lifestyle of our uh, our, our culture has now, you know, we've got, we got cars, we all live. I mean, I was talking to someone because I live, you know, 25 minutes away from the church and we had some family in town the other day. They're from Colorado and they live out in the, the boonies of Colorado. And, uh, they were saying that they drive, we were talking about our 25 minute, minute drive to church, maybe complaining a little bit. And they were like, Oh, we, we, we were going to a church um, that took us an hour and twenty minutes one way just to get there, and then and then they were saying that their their kid was going to a college that was you know two hours away, and they just they have a slower paced life, I guess, and and so they they enjoy those times of being alone, and so yeah, I really resonate with what you're saying that we're talking to two different people here, um, but. But but when we're talking about being busy and getting to work, I think we really just need to understand why do we want to have compassion? It should be from the overflow of our of our relationship with God because He loves us. He's patient with us. He's not expecting um, all kinds of perfection and 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 effort. Uh, he would rather us be close to Him. There's many people out there, religious people, that do a lot of work a lot of holy work and, and things that might even be following the some of the commandments in the Bible. There's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good work, but yet aren't any closer to God. And so really what Jesus is doing in here is he's, he's showing us that it, it is good to work, it is good to expend yourself, but you need to have some times of, of break, you need to get recharged 
and you need to get refocused. And I think about this time that Jesus is praying. We don't know what he prayed, mm. um, but I want to think. Uh, it, it reminds me of a, a famous prayer that he taught his disciples how to pray, and it was the Lord's Prayer, and starts out, you know, um, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, but then the next verse, verse 10, it's in Matthew chapter 6. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in this prayer, maybe maybe Jesus is is talking to the Lord and he's like, Lord, is this what I've come to do and, and, and be busy and heal people? Should I be should I be staying in this town and, and healing people and just taking care of everybody's physical needs, their afflictions, their ailments? But he, he says this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so maybe it gets him refocused. And well, really, we see that it gets him refocused this prayer time because then we move to the next verses, pure, peel back the layer of the day and, and, and the prayer and everything that's going on even a little bit more, and we see that that Jesus' priority shifts now, and we're getting to the, the real priority. In verses 38 and 39, it says, But Jesus replied to Peter, who was asking, Where have you been? You know, He says, We must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Yeah, really, this is, it's so good that we're including this in in this lesson, because I think there's a temptation for people out there, for the doers, for the workers, there's a temptation to be out there, you know, doing the, doing the, uh, feeding the poor and um, in helping with medical care for those in need. And those things are really important. Jesus certainly did those things. And and I think we should do those things. I know for our church, we've really tried to think about our the, our responsibility to, to help the community in that way, because that's a biblical thing to do. But I love, I think everyone needs to come back to Jesus's words here. He says, we must go on to other towns and I will preach to them too. It's not just doing good works. It's not just helping someone's physical needs. Jesus understood that his main priority was to meet people's spiritual needs. His main priority. And I I think there's just a balance that we need to always strike here that we're we're doing good for the community. We're doing good for people who need their physical needs met. But if if we ever detach that, from the gospel message. If we ever detach mm. that from sharing the good news about Jesus, which let's make sure to do that today in this episode for people who don't know what we even mean by that. But if we detach it from that, then I think we're I think we're missing the point. I think our spiritual disciplines have missed the point because right coming out of his time with the Father and in being on mission with the Father, that's when he refocuses and and says I want to preach the good news also. I don't want to just cast out demons. I don't want to just heal the sick. I don't want to just feed the the hungry. All those things are great, but all those things are empty at the end of the day if we're not meeting people's spiritual needs, not just their physical needs. He he makes sure again to to let the disciples know, you know, Peter who had asked him to to let them know this is what's most important and we see that Jesus had just come off of preaching at the synagogue 
Then he, he casts out a demon there. He 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 heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals more people and casts out more demons. Um, but now he's saying, I could stay here and, and just, I could heal the entire town and take care of all their needs and bring the kingdom of heaven on earth to this little place. But he says, but that's not the main goal. I've, I've come to preach in other towns also. I've come to spread this message is what he's saying. And so he's, he's, he's saying that all those, those things, the, the heart of Jesus is coming out through his healings and his deliverance, but they were secondary to what he really cared about the most. What his mission was, was to come and to seek and to save the lost and not just heal and, and, and make people better, but to save them, to save their souls, not just their bodies. Yeah. Let's, Let's talk to that just for a second. I mean, again, for many of our listeners, this is old hat. Everybody knows the gospel, but there might be some listening to this who are learning some new things about Jesus today, and I just I don't want to miss this opportunity. Jesus, in fact, at the very end of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So here we are on a podcast talking about the good news but let's actually preach the good news just for, let's take a minute to preach the good news. And here's, here's how I like to say it. The good news has to start with the bad news. The bad news is we're broken, we're sinful, we're not basically good, we're basically broken. And the good, the good news, now you have that context for the good news, the good news is that Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. We're getting a glimpse of, the, of a day in the life of Jesus here today but that it wasn't just one day. Every day, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He went to the cross. He died on the cross because somebody had to pay for this sin debt. Somebody had to pay for this great offense that the whole world is racking up. And Jesus is the one who did it. He died on the cross. He didn't have to die for his sins because he wasn't a sinner, so he died for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead. We're going to learn all this, by the way, later on in the Gospel of Mark. This is what everything's leading to in the Gospel of Mark. But Three days later, he raises from the dead. He conquers sin and death for every single one of us. But, the, but here's, the, here's the catch. The catch is this, that you have to trust in Jesus for salvation. Every individual has the, has the responsibility, the, the huge responsibility, the heavy responsibility of personally responding in faith to Jesus Christ. Because the good news is that we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by our busyness. We are not saved even by our compassion for people. We are not saved by doing. We are saved by faith. The Bible says that when we trust in Jesus for salvation, that in an instant, we become a child of God. We be instead of do. You, you become something before you do something. We're, we become children of God by faith. So the Bible says when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we trust that what he did on the cross and in the resurrection he did for us. The Bible says that when we do that, something, something mysterious like unlocks in the court of heaven, and all of a sudden now we are saved. That's the good news. That's what all of this is leading to, and that, and that we become followers of Jesus as a result. And, that cha- and then everything changes after that, but that's really the good news. Thank you, Brian, for that. Yeah, I want to stay true to the, the, one of the themes of the Gospel of Mark as you're talking about that. And just this whole idea of the gospel in action, 
There should be an immediate response. There's an immediate call. There's an urgent cry for us to make decisions about what we're learning about Jesus. And so if, if you're listening to this and you, you're a person who's not quite at their, their moment of faith, um, I would say that your main priority in your pursuit of God, although you're feeling things out, I would say I'm not going to leave out the fact that there is an urgent call. There is no telling, you know, what tomorrow will bring, how long our lives will be, or when Jesus will come back one day. And so there is an urgent call, an immediate um, re- response that is required from us that I think that we should compel people. And and so I'm asking you, instead of, you know, feeling out your way through religion and trying things out, what are you going to do with this person, Jesus. We looked at a busy day in the life of Jesus. We see his heart. We see his love. We see his compassion for people. Um, and, and you know, he loves to save people. He loves to change people's lives, and, and we know that about him. So will you make a decision to trust in him for salvation today? That's for the, that's for the unbeliever. But yeah, for really, the believer here today, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'll say, let's just say one more thing to the to the seeker, the unbeliever. Don't, you know, go back to this passage. Don't be like the whole town of Capernaum mm. and only seek Jesus for temporal blessing and relief. I mean, really, that's a lesson for those. There are so many people that, even in Jesus' day, that just sought him for what he could do. Sought him for his, for his, for his, I, I guess his hands. They were seeking the mm-hmm. hand of God. Like I want you to touch me and heal me, because I'm desperate for you. That I think what we're saying to you, if you relate to that, is he want he's compassionate. He wants to heal you. He wants to meet your physical needs, but turn to him for the biggest need, the greatest need, um, and that's a spiritual need. And so maybe some of you today, that's your takeaway from today's lesson is is to seek his his face, not just his hand, to really seek him for what he really wants to give you. And he wants to give you something that lasts forever, not just something that lasts for 50 or 70 years here on the earth. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, shifting gears and and focusing on the the Christian, the believer, the one who has trusted in Jesus. Um, Sometimes we get complacent, right? And we forget our priorities and we, make excuses, we get busy, we we spend a lot of time doing this this busy work that's good, um, but sometimes we need to take a step back, refocus, you know, plug into the Lord and, and get energized to do what He said is the main priority. As Brian said, one of the last verses in the book of Mark, when Jesus had died and rose again, and then right before he's going to leave earth as he ascends to go back to heaven, he says, go into all the world and preach preach the good news to everyone. And so my question is, do we use our hands and feet a lot for Jesus, but never use our mouth? Will we get on mission for God and start preaching the gospel? Now, I don't want to say that everybody is called to be a preacher, but really that word preach is just a to share, to proclaim. This can be, you know, called discipleship. This could be called evangelism. This could be called 
mentoring relationships, conversations with our family, with our friends, with our small group. And so uh, this is what we're called to do at the end of the day. The main priority as Jesus followers is to go share this good news with everyone in our world. 